from the inkwells of Noir. To the digital screens of today. The kids present the comic book character of the month. Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening as we conclude Appendix N Month here on Kirby's Kids with our final celebration of Conan the Barbarian for the month and our review of The Horn of Azoth. This one was the culmination of the original screenplay that writers Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas would do for Conan, King of Thieves, that would then become the second Conan movie, Conan the Destroyer. However, that screenplay would really, really deviate greatly from this original scripting and story arc that then became the graphic novel Conan the Barbarian, The Horn of Azoth. It was published in April of 1990. Our editor-in-chief is Tom DeFalco. Our cover artists are Dorian Vallejo and Ken Lopez. Our writers are Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas. Penciler, Mike Doherty. Inker, Tony DiZaniga. Colorist, Tom Vincent. Letterer, Phil Felix. And editor, Craig Anderson. This Horn of Azoth really is the truest vision that Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas would have for Conan, King of Thieves, that they had proposed to be that second Conan movie to follow Conan the Barbarian. So let's get into it. While pit fighting in Shadazar, Conan discovers his friend Gaminus is to be put to death on orders of Judge Luda. Conan gets his revenge that night, slaying the judge in his bedchambers. Unfortunately, he goes about bragging to a wrong lady of the evening that evening. And after she entices him into her room, she summons guards. He fights, but is ultimately subdued as the woman watches the scene through a magical well. The woman claiming to be Conan's wife visits the Sumerian the next day in the dungeon and offers his freedom in exchange for completing a task for her. Conan agrees. She dissolves the chains with acid. Conan, after dealing with the jailer, rides with the woman, Natari, and her eunuch servant, Strabo, east along the Road of Kings to a temple by a lake. Natari reveals she seeks a treasure inside and asks Conan to retrieve it. He swims underneath and inside the temple, climbs into the sewers. And after dispatching monstrous leeches, he manages to steal the treasure, the boxed eye of Ibis. He's spied on on the way out by the temple's wizard and his son, and is forced to slay that wizard. The temple's guards, led by Shambhala, give chase. But it is the wizard's son, Raman, who finds Conan first. The boy attempts to push a boulder onto the party as Natari and Conan argue about how to split the eye of Ibis. Conan, respecting the boy's vengeful spirit, easily defeats him, but sends Raman away, telling him to come back when he's grown. The barbarian returns to his companions only to overhear Natari conversing with her sorcerer father, and he orders his daughter to kill Conan. Conan decides to let 
this play out a little longer, almost toying with Natari. And the group rides to the Kaznakian forest, where the true treasure lies, only to be gained with the help of the eye. They make their way to a dome in the middle of the forest, the Crypt of Shadows, and the eye acts as a key to open the mouth of a great statue, revealing the Golden Horn of Azoth. Conan decides the gems stuck to the dome ceiling is treasure enough for him, but is surprised by a rock to the back of the head from Strabo. He awakens to find a shadowy form floating toward him. In panic, Conan climbs the walls and plunges out a hole, only to find he's being chased by Raman again. Conan smacks him around a bit and leaves the boy hanging from a tree, and he goes off to deal with those who bid betrayed him. He finds them by a small stream and kills Strabo. Before he can deal with Natari, though, an arm reaches from the water and pulls Natari in. It is the magic of her sorcerer father, Carenthus. Conan leaps in as well, but is yanked from the water by Shambhala and her warriors, who prepare to kill him. They are stopped surprisingly by Raman, who explains all. The box, the eye, was sealed in, contains a pattern of stars, which match the stars above. The time is right to awake Azoth, the god of pain and hate. The only way to do so is with the indestructible horn of Shambhala. People are pledged to protect. Now, because of Conan, chaos will reign, and only Conan can help make things right. Later, the followers of Azoth prepare to sacrifice Natari, as her evil father had always planned, in order to awake the giant skeletal god embedded in the mountainside next to Shadazar. The town panics as an eclipse begins, and Conan, Raman, and Shambhala race up the mountain through the traps and illusions to the town of the temple and the ceremony. They are too late. The horn is reattached to the winged monstrosity, and Azoth lives again. He promptly begins to slaughter his own priests, including Caranthus. Shambhala also falls as Conan desperately tries to save Natari. Finally, Conan leaps on the back of the crazed beast and manages to break off the magic horn of this demon. Azoth crumples into this dust and bones, and the eclipse passes with the world, and the barbarian returns to the pits of Shadazar, ultimately deciding the city of the wicked is not for him, and takes his leave. This was one most exciting story, and I really enjoyed this take that Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas had on the Conan character, synthesizing together many Robert E. Howard stories into an inspired original work. I wish, after reading this one, that it had been made into what would have been Conan, King of Thieves, and not what we got in Conan the Destroyer, because frankly, that movie was a bit lackluster compared to the original. However, with that being said, Marvel finally did this work real justice by publishing it back in 1990, giving it the proper graphic novel treatment that only Marvel can do with those extended, more deeper works. Not a series of issues kind of bundled together, but when there is a coherent story arc, they tend to do a really good job as far as their graphic novel offerings are concerned. The art as a 
a whole in this was most enjoyable. I did like the beats, the depiction of Conan in this graphic novel. The way in which Conan was portrayed was very much in the big John Buscema style. It really geared itself more towards that than the Barry Windsor Smith Conan. But it did have some a nice synthesis, if you will, between those two. The overall mood of this graphic novel was on the more adult side. There is quite a bit of violence in here and Conan really being relentless in his pursuit of defeating his enemies. He's pretty ruthless. The seedier side of this town, the working women of the area really harkens to a rough and tumble, seedier existence. The way in which the action is depicted from panel to panel, there's one sequence where Conan goes underneath there and gets into the temple and there's no dialogue whatsoever. It is just Conan going in, rising up, heading up the holes, the finger holes, and trying to work his way up the sewer and then those leeches coming out. That was an absolutely spectacular instance which I know if it had made its way onto the movie screens would have been awesome and had audiences leaping out of their seats going, ooh, ah, what's Conan doing? Oh my gosh, is he going to survive? It was really suspensefully depicted here and just a really good job. The coloring is great too. The overall graphic novel has a bit of a darker tone to it, which is great. So then when there is an emphasis on things that are a little bit brighter, they actually do pop off the page. So I think the coloring was also very well done, very tastefully done. Good, good use of color and shadow and light here, particularly the sequences of Conan ingressing into the temple through the sewer system and then egressing out. And the use there of panel, the creative use of panels, particularly when he is egressing out of the temple area, diving down through the sewer, going underneath the water to then get out into the lake and then escape is spectacular. It is essentially four even panels that go the full length of the comic to really give you that dramatic depth, that heights with which Conan was fighting his way and having to leap down and go for a very long drop, finally safely into the water and then out of the temple. That was really effectively done and thoroughly enjoyed that. That was a really good use of the panels creatively making you feel like you're in this tunnel area with this huge drop and really fearing for Conan as he's trying to make his escape. Just great, great stuff. Overall, this Horn of Azoth was long overdue. I can see why Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas were continuing to get calls from studios who read that original script that went around for Conan 2, which was supposed to be Conan King of Thieves, which then would here would become Horn of Azoth, and why folks were really intrigued by their creative storytelling and the vision that they had for Conan. Well, kids, we hope you have enjoyed Appendix End Month, and specifically our comic book character of the month, Conan the Barbarian, as we have done a deep dive into Conan, into Conan's literary origins, the story of how Roy Thomas fought to get the licensing from the Robert E. Howard estate to have Conan show up on the comic book pages in 1970, and for it to really be a dominant series throughout the 70s, not only Conan the Barbarian, but Savage Sword of Conan, to then finally Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway being recruited to provide story arc and 
plot advisement to not only the first movie, and this would be of Roy Thomas to John Milius of Conan the Barbarian, but then also to have been recruited after their fine work on Fire and Ice, Ralph Bashke film, which had big Conan elements in there too, particularly with the Frank Frazetta-drawn characters, which then were rotoscoped and all that good stuff in that animation, but to then provide an original script, which was Conan King of Thieves, which would then finally make its way to being now this Conan the Barbarian, the Horn of Azoth graphic novel in 1990. It has been a long journey, a fun journey, and one where with our selections of the month, having been the Barbarian Life, the literary history of Conan the Barbarian is written by Roy Thomas, chronicling his journey of the first issues in the series of Conan the Barbarian, coupled then with the Conan the Barbarian epic collection of the first 13 of those issues that we read too, really provides a nice snapshot, an encapsulation, a study of one of the pillars of sword and sorcery and fantasy that was very popular to have come out of the Robert E. Howard books being rediscovered in the 60s with those Frank Frazetta covers to then the explosion of Conan the Barbarian as a comic book character in the 70s to then the cinematic debut of Conan on the screen with Conan the Barbarian and Conan the Destroyer. We hope you have enjoyed Conan the Barbarian, our character of the month for Appendix End Month here on Kirby's Kids. Between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And onto this, Conan, destined to bear the jeweled crown of Aquilonia upon a troubled brow. It is I, his chronicler, who alone can tell thee of his saga. Let me tell you of the days of high adventure.